spot on. Good morning, Journey Church. Why don't you go ahead and stand while we worship?
Good morning, Journey Church. At this time in our services, we like to take a moment and pray. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was actually on my way here, and I was listening to a song. I was late, ironically. <laughs> um, I was on my way here, and I was listening to a song, but it didn't even matter that I was late because I was sitting in the presence of God, listening to music in my car. Um, I just want that to be the thing that we do here when we're in worship, just sit in his presence, just be with him as much as you possibly can because what better way to do it than worshiping him. So um, as we go into the next couple songs, I'm going to pray, but just rest in him and just kind of be in his presence today. Father God, I thank you so much for what you do in this place. I thank you so much for the people that you bring. I thank you so much for the message that you give Dave that every single week we're consistent to listen to what you have to say. And I thank you so much for being just an amazing God that you are. Um, be with us in this place and just let your presence be known today, God. In your name I pray. Amen. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a Heaven comes to 
Sing a little louder.
Thank you, team. What an uh, awesome worship team we have. I know they say that every week because they deserve it. Yeah, exactly. Give them another round of applause, please. Good morning. I'm Dave, and uh, I uh, have the privilege to talk about uh, or share the giving uh, message with you this morning. And so uh, as I was thinking about this this week, earlier in the first service, you know, two things came to mind, obviously time and tithe. So we're giving back both uh, to a God that we acknowledge uh, him in, his, in our lives, uh, of who he is and all the good things that he does for us. And, and it's one area in the word that he, tells, he says to test him. Uh, you know, for most of us uh, as believers, that's, that may be a little uh, kind of a scary premise, right? You know, you want to test God, really? You want to go there? But he said it. You know, he said it, not me. And he, he said that, I think, for one reason, one reason alone. And that's not necessarily to test him, but to trust him. How much do we trust a God that that's, is that big? Or is our God so small that we trust him equally that small in giving of our time or giving of our tithe? And I know I, I love how generous a church journey is because it helps fulfill our mission uh, uh, of serving the world, serving others, and most importantly, loving God, right? Because if we can't, we can serve others and still not love God, but if we love God first and we trust him that much, how much more can we do and, and accomplish for him in serving others, right? So this morning, uh, I, I just want us to, to think about that word, just trust him that much. Even if you're struggling, if you're Finances aren't what they should be. What have you got to lose? Right? Trust him that much in your giving. And he said, test me and see that I don't open the gates if I don't open the window of heaven to pour out on you that much. Trust him that much this morning. And then become that, that ridiculous giver in other ways, at work uh, or at home or your neighbors or whatever and see if that generosity doesn't just continue to pour out of you in ways that you never experienced before. Wow, that's a lot of feedback. Is that too close to you? Yeah. Sorry. So ushers, please come forward this morning. And this is not a condemnation, this is not a judgment thing because Jesus already took care of that. This, this is a giving thing, this is a selfless thing to say, God, I want to acknowledge you, I want to trust you this much in my giving this morning. So give ridiculously. And then you'll be up here in a couple of weeks telling that testimony, that story of, of what God did in response. I mean, because that's what's happened. I mean, there's stories after story after story I could tell you this morning that or you know, where he has been more faithful than me, despite me. But when I have been, he always is. So this morning, Father, thank you. Thank you that we can trust you this much. And Father, if we haven't trusted you much, enough yesterday, let us trust you more this morning uh, in our giving, giving of our time, giving of our tithe back to you to say we love you and thank you for all that you've done for us. And Father, as we give our time, let's sign up at the hospital. They'll give an hour back to those and serve each other in this community, in this family, in this fellowship, so that we can then go out and even expand that reach and serve others. I thank you, Lord, for this family. I thank you for the leadership, the vision, and your call upon each one of us to be a generous people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ms. Amen. Good morning, Journey.
My name is Sarah. I'll be giving your announcements today. But before I do, fifth and sixth grade, thank you for joining us for worship. You are now dismissed. You may go out to the lobby. Your teacher is waiting to take you to the J Kids building. I'm super excited to share these announcements with you today because they all involve opportunities for us to connect and to build community. The first announcement is that the crash is back. Woo! Woo! The crash met for the first time this last Wednesday at the Sergeant Steve Owens Memorial Park, and they'll meet there again this Wednesday. So parents, you may drop your students off at 6.30 and pick them up again at the playground at 8.30. And if you all don't follow the crash on Instagram, I would encourage you to do so. It is the Crash AB, and it's a terrific resource to find out dates and times and activities coming up for the crash. The second activity or opportunity for connection I'd like to share with you is for the ladies. Women's Retreat is coming up. We will be going to the Oaks October 4th through the 6th. So if you'd like some information on that, swing by the hotspot on your way out. We will give you a, um, a flyer. And if you for sure know you're already coming and you want to reserve your spot, go ahead and put your deposit down. It is actually due next Sunday. The final announcement I have for you is probably the one that I am most excited about. Journey is going to start offering weekly Connect Nights. Starting September the 4th, we'll be meeting here every Wednesday at 6.30 until 8. And this isn't just for adults. In the past, Connect have been mainly for adults, but this is for the entire family. So we'll have full nurseries, we will have children's programs with curriculum, the teens will be meeting with the crash. And so the first Wednesday of every month, we will have a food truck here. So you can go straight from work, grab your kids if you have them, and come here and we'll all eat together. On the other weeks, feel free to stop by McDonald's, Taco Bell, or Chick-fil-A for a quick meal. Bring it here, we'll eat together, and our program will start at 7. If you are a guest at Journey today for the first time, welcome. We're so thrilled you're here with us. We have a gift for you at our information desk. When you leave today, just go to the right to our hotspot. We would love a chance to answer any questions you may have about Journey, to welcome you personally for coming, and to give you a gift. Um, I see several of us have brought our little ones in today. If they need some wiggle room or they're a little fussy, we do offer a cry room. It's behind you to your right, and it's available the whole service. Before Dave gets up to share the message, why don't we all stand up and greet one another? Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Dave, one of the pastors, and I'll be, uh, I'll be taking you on this journey as we continue our series, Elisha, A Journey of Big Faith. But before I do, just want to say, uh, last week it was really nice to be able to get away. When our family went away for a week to the lake, and as we did, <clears throat> I was so grateful that we have people with talent and ability and humor. Robert, well done. I guess Robert was our guy. 
<clears throat> this guy's a crack up. Robert uh, is a former youth pastor, and they're all nuts, but just, just the fact that he actually works in our kids' ministry every week and is a valuable part of our team, our executive. He's on our executive team as well, our executive board. And, uh, but he, he kind of presented last week for us while I was away and did a fantastic job. It was so fun and humorous watching him make jokes about me and my skinny jeans. So they don't seem that skinny, but thank you so much. I'm, I feel fantastic. Thanks so much. Hey, is it possible um, to be too good at something? I mean, is it possible you're so good, you're too good? Like, does anybody know somebody that is so good looking that it's a problem because they know it? I mean, don't look at them right now. I mean, just, but seriously, is there somebody in your life, I mean, they're just, they're just a little bit too aware of their attractive nature and it's like a problem. Is it possibly too, so talented that you get like a big head or you're so smart that it's hard to be around normal humans? You know, you look down on everybody and just get a little impatient because people aren't just quite, quite where you are at intellectually or whatever. Well, some people really are good at something. I mean, there are people that are really super talented. And, and to be honest, maybe, you know, maybe it's easy to get a little wrapped up in yourself. Like, like people who are really good at business or finance. And there are those people that I've met that just seems like money just is easy for them. It just comes. I mean, I do something and it, it's a major flop and somebody else does something and they just make tons of money. Or, or somebody that's really good at physical things. There's like sports are a absolute, you know, instant thing for them. Like my kids going on the lake, watching them, they, they can do anything. They're jumping from one raft to another, pulled behind a speedboat going 90 miles an hour. No, not really, but they're something like, and, and watching them do flips on wakeboards and stuff. I'm like, man, I hate them. I love them. But, you know, it's like, you ever, you just feel like, man, some people are just so good at certain things. Maybe they're just good to look at, or maybe they're just super creative or whatever, and they're just on their worst day. They're more creative than you are on your best. And it's, it's sickening sometimes. But here's the deal. Oftentimes, people who are really, really good at something can sabotage their own success because of that sneaky little serpent of pride. That little thing that's inside, and, and, and one of the things about pride, it's one of those character traits that's kind of hard to see in the mirror. We see it everywhere else. Oh, she's so full of herself. Oh, he is so proud. You know, that is easy to see. But it's sometimes hard to see that little insidious serpent inside of ourselves, that bit of us that can be a little bit hard to reason with because we're just so sure we're right. You know that pride is like a cancer? Pride can actually be something that it's undetected for a while until it can be actually deadly to your character or to your relationships or to communication or to your job. That's why we want to take a look at this surprising path to big faith life. The surprising path that we're going to look at today from a guy named Elisha, who is our hero, is the path that goes downward before it goes upward. What we're looking at is a big faith life, and we've been saying that this idea of big faith, it's not just that everybody should have, you know, miraculous power, and that's what God wants is for everybody just to do crazy things like walk on water and heal people, <coughs> although I'm sure some of those things are completely within the scope of what God would allow us to have. But what we want is, we want to be able to trust God so much that whatever he says, we respond. Not only just what he commands, but anything within, Jesus said, if it's within the kingdom scope, if it's 
if it meets the qualification of Jesus' prayer, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. If it fits within those parameters somewhere that we begin to believe God for better things, bigger things, greater things, for a big faith life, it begins with a small step. And oftentimes that step of obedience is in the downward direction. Because pride is very, very difficult when it comes to us and God. As a matter of fact, it's a condition of the heart that God takes real exception to. We find this in James chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I love that, that God literally sets himself up to resist arrogance in us. But God, at the same time, goes to support. God pours grace all over the humble. God looks, he, he kind of goes out of his way to bring arrogant, prideful people down a notch. But God also goes out of his way to elevate and lift up and to promote a person that's truly humble. So that's what we're going to kind of break down a little bit today from our story. Because we, to have big faith without being prideful is really important. See, the paradox of a big faith life is this. The bigger our faith grows in God, the less about us our lives become. What we realize is that we don't build big faith by adding to our self-esteem or by pumping ourselves up or by becoming more self-focused. As a matter of fact, big faith is the exact opposite. Big faith is getting so convinced about our big God being good and being positively inclined towards us that we are willing to trust him, obey him, and even ask him for things that may seem outrageous to other people, but because of the relationship of trust we have with our Heavenly Father, it's just like, no, this is something God would do. This is just like something God would do. I, I believe this for him. Like some things that we're believing God for as a church community that we'll be sharing about in our vision series coming up in two weeks. We're just asking God for greater and, and bigger opportunities to do really significant things. Not as a way of elevating our pride or arrogance. God's found really effective ways of bringing that down. But he says, in order for God to be greater, we sometimes have to be lesser. That was John the Baptist's whole thing when Jesus came on the scene. All of his disciples started leaving to follow Jesus. And somebody said, look, John, all your disciples are abandoning you. And he's like, listen, a man can only receive what is given from heaven. I must become less and he must become more. And when that heart permeates the heart of our following Jesus, no, 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 it's not about me. But I'm so grateful it gets to be, I get to be a part of it. And that becomes part of us. The higher you rise in God, the lower you'll be willing to go to follow him because it's all about him. Now, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. The reason we go into this series, the reason we look at Old Testament characters is not because there's a point for point, you know, um, take away from our, there's like application built in. It's like, oh, exactly what he did is what I did. Where he lived is where I live. What their circumstances, it's not that. The reason we grab hold of these Old Testament heroes of faith is because they teach us most importantly, first thing, about God. What is God like? What does God seem like? And, and the second thing is, how does God interact with people? What is God's conditional, what is his heart? What is his, what is his uh, propensity towards us? So we want to know more about our God in order to have a better relationship with him. So we look at some of these stories of these great 
people of faith because it, it tells us how God interacts with people who trust him. And that's the whole point. I want to help you discover how good God is and how he is directly related to your life in every detail. How he's concerned how about how interested he is and how willing he is to respond to your prayers and requests when you trust him. So what we find here is this, this God, God usually has to bring somebody into our lives to help us sometimes to first of all discover him because we're a little bit limited on our own ability to see and understand and then to help sometimes to bring us to a place where we can receive what we're hearing and to also remind us we're not as big as we think we find a guy in the story his name is Naaman today we pick up in the Elisha's story chapter 2 I'm sorry 2nd second, second Kings chapter 5 Naaman was a rock star Naaman comes on the scene the very first sentence of this passage tells us that Naaman was an important guy in the realm in the country of Aram which is basically Syria he was the captain of the military he was the main general he was the right hand of the king when it came to conquering and ruling and reigning with authority and power he was a brilliant strategist he was a military genius he was a leader of his country he brought them to great victories he was but this is an interesting thing we read in this he was a great man Highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. And now this is interesting. Aram, or Syria, is not Israel. So what one of the first things we realize is, wait a minute. God's bringing great things and good things to a guy who's not even following him. It kind of throws it in the face of all those people that say, you know, wealth and prosperity gospel, that if you do for God, God does for you. I think God does for us because we can't even do for ourselves. God does for us before we even know that he's interested in us. God's predisposed towards us in a gracious way, which is why Jesus said, a shepherd like me, the, the shepherd who has the heart of God, the heart of the Father, has a hundred sheep, and if one of them gets away, I'll leave the 99 in the sh safe place and go to pursue the one. This is the way God pursues the one that is like, I don't even know God, I don't acknowledge him. But for some reason, he knows me, and he acknowledges me. I love this because somebody here in this room is like not even in the spectrum of trusting, following, or believing in God, and yet God is very interested. He believes in you. He trusts in you, and he is working in your life. God does good things for people, whether they deserve it or not. And God is working is all things together for good, for those who know him and follow his purpose, and also for those who are not yet even aware of him. But as we quickly learn, this guy, not an Israelite, <clears throat> he has a great problem. And what I discovered in life is interesting because great people often have great challenges. Have you, have you ever learned this? It, it's like exceptional people sometimes live with exceptional pain. Extraordinary people sometimes have extraordinary problems. Folks, I was going this past week, our staff has been working, um, doing cleaning days like every every Thursday or so and we're just trying to get the building and all our storage areas and everything ready for the fall because we're really excited about what we're headed into and as we're going through all this stuff I'm having to sort some things and as I'm going through some of my records I come across some information from a gentleman who was a friend of mine who was a pastor down south who had come to journey to help his church he had started this church and it exploded it was doing amazing things it was so cool and then it went completely wrong 
And I was reading some of this, and I was looking at some of the information, and it was like so brilliant and so good. And like, this is one of those guys that was like greatly used, and yet this guy with a great ambition and a great heart also had a great weakness, and that weakness caused his whole ministry to collapse. And today he's selling fencing material, which is nothing wrong with selling fencing material, except when you had the potential to be a world changer in the spiritual realm. It's just sad. It's heartbreaking. Great people and great possibilities sometimes come with great weaknesses and challenges. I think of one of the spiritual mentors as I was going through my books and sorting some of those out this past week. I came across a book of one of the guys that I consider one of my distance mentors. I've never really met, I've met him and <clears throat> spoken with him, but I, I wasn't close to him at all. But his spiritual leadership has impacted tens of thousands of pastors, much less millions of people. And he was one of the original megachurch pastors before we even heard the term megachurch. He was out there doing the, the amazing things for God, and he built a great leadership network and a church and all this that really impacted all of our generation. But he's no longer in ministry. At the tail end of his ministry, there were some accusations that were made and some things that were discovered that forfeited all that he had done in all those many, many years of building and doing and serving because great people often have great weaknesses. It seemed like his marriage wasn't great and he had a weakness and a great interest in a relationship that he looked for elsewhere. Exceptional people have exceptional pain. Extraordinary people often have extraordinary problems. And some of you right here have some extraordinary opportunities and possibilities in your life, but you are, you are literally beset by some weakness or challenge or struggle that is, it's like you can't step into your fullness of who God made you to be because of this thing. That was the story of Naaman, and I'm hoping you'll listen today because I think God wants to speak encouragement and opportunity and challenge to you. Naaman, he was an important man, he was a powerful man, he was a great man, but Naaman had two great weaknesses that we know of. The first, he was a leper. And if you know anything about biblical history and, and the, just basically the way that leprosy came, it was considered to be um, related to touch. It was a wasting disease. What, what literally happened was that the nerve endings would die in the extremities first, and then it would work. And it's kind of like diabetes where people, you know, get infections and they don't know soon enough or they don't respond to it or their body doesn't produce whatever antibodies to fight it. And so they're literally, their fingertips, their toes, their ears, their nose, Basically, all the extremities begin to rot and fall away little by little. It's considered the, you know, like the wasting disease, or they call them the walking dead because it's just a matter of time. They're literally dying moment by moment, inch by inch, as their body rots and wastes away. And as probably you would guess, the smell would be horrendous, and so these people would be placed in seclusion outside of the community they could never hug their wife, kiss their baby. They could never hold a person. They could never greet a friend or a family member with a hug. They had to call out when somebody was coming at a distance unclean to let them know, hey, I have a disease. Uh, they think it could be communicable by touch. Keep your distance. Be safe. This was a shameful disease. It was a, it was a disease that was very, very difficult because they couldn't cure it. There was no cure. So basically, it was a death sentence. What we find is that <clears throat> Naaman has leprosy. This powerful man has a powerful problem that is absolutely consuming his life. But Naaman hears something that catches his interest. 
he hears that there's a prophet in Israel who has the power to communicate with God and does miraculous deeds. He can do stuff that nobody ever dreamed of. And this word has gotten to him. You know how the word came? This is another interesting point. You could read this story, and I hope you do on your own. It's 2 Kings 5 because it's got so much great stuff in it. The reason he even discovered about this, this prophet was because Aram, or Syria, was a neighbor of Israel, but they weren't good neighbors. There was always stuff going on between them. There were times when they were outright war between them. There were other times when they were sort of trying to be friendly and get along, but there were always tensions between these two countries. <clears throat> one of the tensions was because the raiding parties would go out from one of the countries, and as is often common, the neighboring fences, you know, people are at war over where the boundaries are or who belongs to what, and they just basically take advantage of those boundaries. So Syria would send out troops, and they would go into, they would, like little forays into Israel. They would pillage, kill the men, take the women and children captive, and run back home. Well, one such day, they captured a young lady who became actually Naaman's wife's servant. A little Israelite girl who became the servant in Naaman's house to his wife. Hears that Naaman has leprosy, sees her master struggling with this waste and disease, and actually contributes something good. I'm telling you, when you have so much love of God in your heart that you're willing to tell the, the captor, the person who's enslaved you, how to better their life, that's really remarkable. She says, there's a man in Israel, there's a prophet who has the power to address your need. Go to him. He can heal you. So this is, this is Naaman's story. So Naaman decides to pay a visit to this prophet. And here's where we run into Naaman's other problem. Not only leprosy, but second thing is, he was a great leader with a great ego. He's a proud man. He's a very proud man. <clears throat> and pride was about to destroy him from having what everybody would dream of, and a miraculous encounter with God. So we see some of it through the way he shows up. So basically he gets this caravan of horses and chariots, the scripture says, <clears throat> probably camels, other devices to carry, because what he does is he packs up 750 pounds of silver. That's a bunch of silver. 150 pounds of gold. I mean, that's me minus a little. Then he takes 10 brand new, <clears throat> best of their country's clothing outfits, 10 outfits, <clears throat> and he makes his way to Elisha's door. And I, I love this. I think it's interesting because why did he take so much money? Because this was considered a vast sum no matter what generation you grew up in. I mean, this was going to make somebody instantly wealthy no matter who you are. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. First of all, because he was a man who had done a lot of killing and had conquered a lot and had a lot of money. I think part of it is to show that he was somebody great and important. It was to show his, his power and his vast wealth. But I also think there's a bit of like, but we're not necessarily on the best terms. And this is a peace offering. All right, I know you're Israelite. I'm, an, I, I'm, a, I'm a Iranian. So I'm, an, I'm a Syrian. I'm going to bring this as a peace offering. So he comes to Elisha's house. The text says he doesn't go into the house. Verse 9 says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door <coughs> of Elisha's house. Why? Did he stop at the door? <clears throat> the text doesn't tell us directly, but it seems that 
he's waiting for Elisha to come to him. He's waiting to, for the prophet to come out. And, and I imagine why, because have you ever, like, washed your car, got, I mean, you just got everything so perfect, and then you showed up at her house because you wanted to come out and see You wanted to see. You put on your best outfit. You look your best because you want him to know how good you are and how good looking you are now that he's no longer interested. You want to show him what he's missing. Have you ever wished that somebody would just see a moment of your life and like, ta-da, you know, you'd be so proud of me or so whatever. This is what Naaman's doing. He's like, hey, I want you to come see. I want you to see the camels lined up. I want you to see the bags of silver draped over all. I want you to see the chariots and servants, and I want you to be impressed so you'll know how important I am. It seems he's waiting for Elisha to come out to him. Maybe he's thinking Elisha's going to hear, oh, this great warrior from Syria is here, and he's going to drop everything, run outside and say, sir, how can I help you? Maybe he's going to be so impressed he's going to just do the miracle, whatever. But Elisha doesn't play the game. Elisha does something totally unexpected. He sends a servant out as a messenger. And this is what he said in verse 10. The messenger comes out and he says, My my master Elisha says, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. You'll be healed and you'll be cleansed. In other words, you'll be ceremonial. You will now be able to have relationship with other people physically. You can touch people again. <clears throat> now, you think this would be the best news ever. If somebody walked in and you had cancer or something, they said, hey, listen, all you got to go is take a bath, dip seven times, you're going to be cured. Wouldn't you be like, absolutely, where do I go? How fast can I get there? But that's not Naaman's response. He's like, he wants me to do what? Where? I mean, we're not on good terms with Israel. And dip in the Jordan, that mud hole, he says, basically said, our worst streams and rivers in Syria are better than the best streams and river here in Israel. Compared to stuff back, I wouldn't dip myself in that for anything. But if you follow God for any time at all, you know that sometimes God asks us to do the one thing we absolutely don't want to do, but need to do. And we say, Jesus, I'll do anything but that. I'll give up anything except that. I'll, I'll love anybody except her, except him. God, I'll forgive anything except, did you know what they did to me? Father, I'll go anywhere, <clears throat> but not there. I remember when Lori and I were youth pastors, the first church we'd we just come out of college, had got our ministry in five and a half years, six years or whatever in Santa Barbara. We were having the time of our life, and there was a pastoral change, and the church from home was calling and back in Tulare, wanting me to, to, to come work as a youth pastor in my home church in Tulare. And Lori's like, oh, she started dreaming, like, oh, she would love to go home. She had, you know, babies now and family and all that back home. She wanted to go, and I remember telling her, Lori, listen to me. We will never go back to Tulare. Guess where we moved? Just saying, sometimes the very thing God is telling you to do is the one thing you're like, I don't, I'll go anywhere. God, I don't want to go back home. That place, come on, that's Cowtown, that's Hickville, that's like, come on, really? But that was actually where I had one of the greatest seasons of my experience is as a follower of Jesus because sometimes the thing he's asking you to do is because you need this worse than you ever know. 
Can I just tell you that one of the reasons we avoid doing the things God says is because we think we know better and that God probably doesn't have the same agenda we have for our lives, which is ultimately happiness, but we think we know better what will make us happy. We think we know and understand ourselves better. I mean, until recently, we didn't even know what made our heart beat. We didn't know how our brain fires and develops its little pathways. We didn't know anything about this, but we're smarter than God because we tell God, no thanks, I've got it, I'm going to do it my way. And God's always inviting us into a trust relationship because he wants to show us how good he is, how trustworthy he is, and how good life is. When Jesus said, I want to give you a life abundantly, he was inviting us into the best possible story. And folks, the challenge is, the challenge is our pride can give us absolute death sentence to God's dreams for our life if we think we know better than God. I'll do anything but that. <clears throat> Can I just tell you, when God asks you to do something, it's not a punishment. God's not looking to just embarrass you. God's wanting to show you what's possible when you trust him. His love is what motivates him. His goodness is what drives him. And his passion for us is what motivates him to interact with us in the first place. The key to walking in freedom is often directly connected to obedience in the area we fear trusting him the most. The key to walking in freedom in some area of your life, some freedom that you need, it's often related to an area of obedience that you're just afraid to step into. And the key to moving in big faith with God is our willingness to follow him when we fear it the most. To trust him. Yes, Peter, step out of the boat. No, no, I really mean it. Step out of the boat. You want to walk? Come to me. We don't really recognize it as pride until after God's done with the humbling. Then we realize from the other side of things, like, man, God really humbled me. He really taught me to trust him. Pride is, I got it. I'll do it my way. Hum humility is, God's got it. God cares, God's way. I've got to trust him. So Naaman probably didn't know how proud he was until this moment. <clears throat> Elisha refused to get up from his lazy boy, come to the door himself, sends a servant with a simple, humbling instruction, go dip yourself in the Jordan. Now this great man is about to miss out on the great work God wants to do in his life because he's asked a great, humiliating thing, a humbling thing to disrobe in front of all of this caravan and all these people that you are trying to be so important and special in front of and to walk out there and let them see your junk because basically, and I'm not saying nudity, I'm saying his disease had probably taken parts of his body and it was probably just ugly and sickening to see. He was so embarrassed, he didn't want them to see how sick he was. This great man is about to miss out on the great work of God because he was a he was embarrassed. He was ashamed. He was not going to be told what to do. I, I think some people right here at Journey Church in the 21st century can relate to this. I think some of you have had an impression that God wanted to do something in your life or a prompting to do something in response to obey him in some area of your life, and you've been putting it off, and you've been putting it off, and you've been putting it off because you're just not convinced God's will is the best, God's way is the best, or that God ultimately has your best interest in mind. And you're just like, I, I just... Yeah, that's going to be embarrassing. That's going to be, because it's hard, you're going to miss, you're potentially going to miss the greatest work of God in your, po in your possible lifetime because of your pride. 
because of your unwillingness to say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. And I'm just, it would break our hearts, but it would break God's heart. If you missed out on your miracle and that thing God wants to do to, to build your faith because you're too smart, because it's beneath you, because in your own intelligence and wisdom, this doesn't make sense. What God has told you to do. My culture says to do it this way. God, you say to do it that way. It doesn't make sense. Naaman has come too important to his own good. But thank God, somebody in his life is there to confront him. We read verse 13. Naaman's servants. <clears throat> Can I just tell you that Naaman's servants are the ones that have the leading role? Naaman is the guy that gets all the credit, but the servants are the ones. The servant was the one who told him about the prophet. The servant was the one that brought him the news of what it would take to make him whole. The servants are the one that help him now see that he is about to miss God's great work in his life. The servants are the ones God uses to do the miraculous. They are the messengers of the miraculous. Servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you just wash and be cleansed? Notice it says, if the prophets had told you to do some great thing. Dipping in the Jordan seemed like a miserable, tiny little step, an incremental step. He wanted, he said, I expected him to come out and wave his hand over me and say some you know, magic words and hocus pocus and we're good to go. But he wants me to go dip in the Jordan? <clears throat> He's basically concerned about his greatness rather than his health or healing. If we only do the things we think will add to our greatness, and it's a sure sign we haven't really experienced the abundant life God is offering that Jesus is inviting us into. There comes a time at every life of Christ follower where God asks us to do something that feels like it's going to be too difficult, too hard, too much. It's, it's a death blow to our pride, and we're just not willing to do it. And it usually has something to do with trusting him in an area we think we know best. But realize what God is doing. <clears throat> He's not calling you into this area of obedience to shame you, embarrass you, or to make something, you know, just, just to drive home a point. The point is God wants you to learn to trust him, that he is trustworthy, that he loves you, and that he wants to be your source and supply. The point is we need to recognize when God's calling us to humble ourselves, so he can become greater and we can grow in faith. So what's the river of Jordan in your life? What is God saying, here's your next step of obedience? Dip. What is the first dip for you? What is the first step of obedience? Is it finally saying no to that thing that you've been pursuing that you know is absolutely not one of the things God has brought into your life for good? It's actually maybe a temptation that you've been struggling with. It may be just conversation that you've been avoiding that needs to happen, a relationship that needs to end, something that needs to begin, a next step. What is your next step? Is it trusting God in a way you never have with your career, with your money, with your relationship, with your sexuality? What's your Jordan River? What's keeping you from having that next great experience with this miraculous God? The God of Elisha, the same God who wants to speak with his Holy Spirit to you. So, ask him. Today we're going to give you an opportunity to ask him. <clears throat> where is it, God, you're working? What is it you're saying? And what's my next step? And every time you come up out of the waters in obedience to God, get ready to be used even more greatly by God because once you obey, God knows that your heart is positioned for more. He'll keep coming. Once God sees your response, his faith 
then he's going to keep giving you opportunities to see your faith grow. Verse 14. <clears throat> so after his servants plead with him, what does Naaman do? Naaman went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, it has to throw that in there, he did what God said. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy or servant or infant are also interchangeable words. He was made whole. He was new. When he finally obeyed God, his greatest problem became his greatest victory. His, his greatest shame became, became his greatest testimony. Some of you, what thing that you're afraid of letting go of is actually going to be the thing that you're going to be the most joyful about on the other side. The thing that you've been holding on to, fearing or stepping into a direction of obedience is actually one thing that's going to be like the greatest celebration for you. When you totally give God your whole heart, you really trust him with your whole life, not just a Sunday thing, not just a singing song, not just make the wife happy thing or get this girl to like me thing, but when you really give God your whole heart and you begin to trust him and obey him, follow him, that's when the miraculous begins to happen in your life. This is what happens in his story. That's what God can do for you. And in case you think that God is asking something way too difficult, remember who went bef you know, before us all. Remember who followed Elisha in these steps and went down the exact same road. It was Jesus, who spent his whole life following God's instructions, but he meet one moment as he's preparing to go to the cross where he stops and he's literally thinking about what this is going to cost him, and he prays this prayer. Luke 22, 42, he says, Father... If you're, if you're willing, if you're okay with it, I want to skip this, this business, all right? Take this cup from me. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's what Jesus did. <clears throat> Jesus bowed his will to the Father. He took the humiliation. He took the nakedness stapled to that cross. He took the whipping, the beating, the abuse. He took it all, the shame, the death. But that's how he received the resurrection from the dead. That's how he came back to be Lord and Savior of all creation. That's how he became the ruling king of the universe because he was willing to serve, to go down into the grave in order to come up as the Savior. I'm just wondering, would you... Would you find some place in your life, would you say, God, I want to take the next step. And I realize this is maybe humbling. This is a difficult step. This is a trust step. This is not a me in the spotlight step. This is not I get more attention. But this is just me stepping into the nature of Jesus and saying your will be done. Is there some area that you're willing to do that? Because what we learn, what Jesus' struggle and realization is, Jesus was convinced about things that you and I struggle with. One, it's not about us. That there's a great God with a great plan and he is working that in and through everyone who wants to participate. Two, God's plan is better than anything you ever dreamed up for yourself. And one day when we stand before him, we're gonna say, oh my, yes, God, I am so glad I believed. I am so glad I trusted. And the third thing, the path to up is often down and the greatest life is the life of serving. That's why it was said of Jesus in Matthew 20, verse 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. Philippians says he had the same mindset, have the same mindset as Jesus, 
who being in the very nature of God didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And it goes on. Just basically saying this. Jesus realized that the greatest thing he could do is take that next step of obeying God. And that would mean serving. That would mean putting himself below what he would think he could be or wanted to be so that he could become what God wanted him to be. The only path to greater heights is to go lower. The lower you get, the higher God can take you. It's the humble that capture God's attention. It's the humble that God raises up. So where do we begin? Something really simple. Listen for God's instructions and obey immediately. When God speaks, respond. I'll do whatever you ask, whenever you ask. Speak to me. The greater opportunities of tomorrow require immediate obedience today. Your obedience today determines if you're going to be a person of great faith. Your obedience today determines. So obey immediately. Then second, make your attitude like Jesus. Master the art of serving. Master the art of serving. Sometimes you being the messenger for somebody else's miracle is just as good as you getting the miracle. Sometimes you being the one that allows God to do his great work in somebody else's life is the very thing that prepares you for the great work God wants to do in your life. Are you serving God somewhere? Are you lowering yourself and putting yourself in a position to be used by God to help other people in any way at all in your life? This morning, I want to give you an opportunity just to know some opportunities to serve. And I, I just want to be honest that Journey Church is a church of volunteers. We have three full-time people, and we have a very large, large volunteer team. And as the resources come available, as people's hearts get captured by what we're doing and they want to get financially invested in this, as people step up and start becoming percentage givers and giving their, you know, 10% or whatever, two, whatever you start with, people start investing, then we're going to continue to add staff and add opportunities. But I'm telling you what, we have amazing volunteers, people who are just willing to give their hearts for nothing other than for the glory of seeing God love people and, and reach people. We're going to have some of them come on the stage, um, and I just want to have them share a little bit of what, what they're excited about in the coming season. And for some of you, that may be an opportunity, a cue for you to say, I want to be involved in something. Let's look at that. So my team would come on up, welcome them to the stage. So <clears throat> come on into the middle and into the light particularly. I want to see your glowing, wonderful faces. So what we have, <clears throat> one of these people represents ministries or people who are, Tyler is not here, he's off preaching for a, a camp in another state. Um, so Sarah's going to be telling you about that. Sarah's uh, been filling in while I was away and she's become a real valuable resource. So Sarah's going to be telling you about some of the stuff she's overseeing right now. Chase is going to start us off. So introduce yourself, what you're in charge of and what you want to share. Awesome. My name is Chase, like he said, and I run a ministry called The Crash. It is our student ministry from junior high to high school. It is amazing. Um, how many of you guys love inspirational like videos, like YouTube videos, like Anybody? You can admit it, a safe place. I love them. But the crazy thing about inspirational videos is they don't necessarily always translate to life, right? You can't watch enough and have like bigger muscles or have like a better performance. This is something I'm learning slowly. But I think the same thing happens in church, right? We come on Sundays, we hear a great message, we get inspired, and then what? 
You know, like there always has to be an action step after, after inspiration for transformation. I think today what, like what we're offering isn't asking something from you. It's to try to give something to you. Mm. Inspiration is great, but unless there's some outworking, something that you guys can do, the transformation of life isn't going to happen. And so this is what we want you guys to hear is there are so many opportunities to walk this stuff out. He's talking about big faith. He's talking about steps. Um, ask yourself today, what does that look like in my life? For us, you don't have to love students. You don't. If you're ang like you have just an angry face, normal, like that's your <laughs> preset is angry face. We can stick you right by that door and you can just sit there with angry face and no one will try to walk out and it'll be great. It'll security, be security. Um, but honestly, we love students and we believe that students are the hope of this next generation. Like if we can get a hold of their hearts, like I know from my, like, my own experience that something that happened when I was in high school lasts, right? Whether yes. for pain, whether for good. And we really hope we can transform some of these students' lives to give them some sort of good as a baseline for them to launch their lives off of. And so if you guys want to be a part of that, come find me. Um, we have so many ways to serve. Wednesdays is a big one. Um, but yeah, we can also use you on a Sunday morning. So thank you so much. Before we go on, Chase also runs our cafe, and if you are a barista that's looking for some free employment, I mean, it's an opportunity to serve and give the heart of God in a coffee cup, then join us, because these guys have the best coffee in the valley. So anyway, join us. Good morning, my name is Sarah. I'm here representing Tyler and the host teams. Um, I know the word host seems a little bit more for the extroverts, but we have positions available for introverts and extroverts. For instance, every month we set up communion, and I'm sure you're probably wondering, how do we get grape juice into those tiny little cups? <laughs> we would love to teach you how. So feel free to sign up for that. We also have positions available for our volunteers make breakfast every morning um, for our volunteers who are here up early setting up. We have a team who sets up the outdoor area and this team is going to be vital coming into this next season at journey we're after every sunday service after we dismiss here we will be tearing down and resetting up the auditorium for our wednesday connect nights and then wednesdays if you're able to stay late after connect we will be resetting up the auditorium to be ready for Sunday morning. So if you're able to be part of those, it doesn't take a lot. You don't actually have to talk to people. You can just get busy and work if that's mm -hmm. your thing. But if you are more of an extrovert, we have positions opening for greeting um, to help people at the hot spot. We need ushers. And as you could tell today, we do need more people helping give announcements. So if you'd like to sign up for that team, I would greatly appreciate it. One thing that I've learned um, a lot in being part of church is the best way that I have found community and connection is through serving. And some of the best friends I have made here at Journey and in my church experience and church life is that the people I served alongside of became some of my best and closest friends. So if you are looking for more connection, I would really encourage you to join one of the areas of service. <laughs> Especially the kids team, right? Especially. Right. Yes. Um, my name is Brianne Blanchard, and I am the children's director here. So, um, where are all you people on Sundays? Because uh, you're not in the classrooms. But thank you for. Um, oh yeah. Um, we take care of all of your babies from newborn all the way through sixth grade. So. Um, we do curriculum starting in preschool, and we do that all the way through sixth grade on Sundays. 
Um, we, we're starting Wednesday, which I gotta be honest, I have no teachers lined up right now. So I love the idea of curriculum and I really wanna have a good service for your kids to come and learn and to grow in their faith. But I can't do that without your help. Um, I am one person and this is my part-time job. I also go to school, I have three kids, just like all of you are running around like crazy. Um, but I, I volunteered before this was my job and that is because this means so much to me and I know that these kids are the future and we get the opportunity to lay that foundation that these kids will be falling back to time and time again the rest of their lives and I don't know if any of you guys grew up in church and um, but we have that opportunity to give that to kids and um, to grow their faith and it is amazing to watch them as a little preschooler grow up in and into sixth grade and to really begin to know who Jesus is. I, I teach in every classroom because I, I fill in wherever I'm needed, but fifth and sixth is incredible. These kids open up their lives to you and you get to really make a difference. Every time I feel like, oh my gosh, like God, you did so much today and I wanna be a part of that and I want you guys to have the opportunity to be a part of that too. So um, Sundays we need you anywhere from check-in all the way to sixth grade. You don't have to have your doctorate or anything. We provide um, curriculum for you. We will train you. Um, Wednesday nights, that's a brand new thing that we have never done. Or it's been a long, long time since we've done. And so um, I need help in that area as well if you are interested in that. Come find me or um, I think you can email info at avjourney.com. Hey everyone, I'm John. Uh, I handle the hey, uh, I handle the worship and technology ministries here at Journey. <clears throat> Thank you. So that is uh, the band on stage, um, all the tech people in the sound booth, our live stream crew, our website, our social media, all that stuff. Um, so we need a lot of volunteers, and you don't have to talk to a lot of people if you don't want to either. Um, some of it you can just um, be part of our online experience. We definitely need chat hosts. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but we live stream both of our services every Sunday, um, 9 and 10.30, and we have about 150 people a weekend that Watch join it. us just online. Um, so we definitely need volunteers for that. Um, and my mom, she sits in the back every week and runs the chat for us. So. Um, she does a great job, but we'd like to give her a break from time to time. So if you want to get involved in that, that'd be one way that you could definitely help us out. You don't even have to be here to do it. You could do it from home. So it makes it easy. Let's hear it for our team leaders. Well done. If you're interested, the band is going to be coming right now to close us out. But if you're interested, info at avjourney.com. <clears throat> just email us and just say, again, this is not a commitment. This is information seeking. Hey, I'd like more information about in the area that you're interested in. Or you can stop by the hotspot. You can grab one of these guys. Or you could also just go click on the little banner, the serve volunteer banner on our website, avjourney.com. That's how you can take your next step. If your step is serving in this way or in some way at the church, We'd love to get you plugged in. If your next step is saying yes to the God who loves you, yes to a total surrender to the God who made you, who has designed you for life eternal, then I want to give you that opportunity to respond by taking your next step in a prayer as we close our service. If you would, bow with me just a moment, and, and let's make this moment a sacred moment of surrender. God, we're 
We're here, and before you, nothing is hidden. Just as Naaman couldn't hide his sickness from you, none of us could hide what's sick inside of us. Scriptures say we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of what your intended plan was for us. We've all broken things in our lives, and God, we ourselves are broken. Each of us needs you, Lord God, and each of us needs a starting place. And for somebody in this room, it may be today is their first day to just step across the line of faith and say, God, I want to put my trust in you. I believe Jesus died, was buried, and raised again to bring me life, first to be punished for my sins so that I wouldn't have to face punishment, and then resurrected to life because he is the one who's giving us life, and I believe that. I put my faith there. I'm asking you to give me the life you've promised in Scripture. And if that's you, maybe a simple prayer, just in your own words, in your own heart, right now before God, if you would say, Dear God, I offer you my life. I hold nothing back. I hide nothing from you. I have broken the commandments. I have broken your plan, and I have broken my life. I want to ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me than to give me new life. Give me eternal life. Give me life to the full here and now. And God, give me your Holy Spirit to lead and guide me. Allow me, Lord God, the power and the grace that it takes to turn from a life that was not your plan to a life that is fully your plan and to develop big faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, stand with me. We're going to close out in a song of worship. If you've said yes to Jesus today, we have Bibles to give you, and one of us would like to meet you. I'll be at the front afterwards if you'd like to talk. Let's worship as we send you out.
We love you so much, Journey. We'll see you back here next week for our new series.